This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again! Oh! tries it, don't know, long we over, oh, what a goal! What a goal! Fletcher! It's Lucius McCulloch, saved it in! Barry Ferguson! Does this again, and it's there! Hartley and Weir comes up, Jets goal! The big one is nearly upon us. Scotland down at Wembley to face England in the second game of Group D at Euro 2020. We're off the back of a disappointing defeat to the Czech Republic 2-0 on Monday at Hamden, but it's not over. A point, at least against England tomorrow, keeps us right in the mix for qualification for the last 16. This morning we've got Ben Ramage from the SFSA with us and we've got John Bleasdale from the Scottish Football Forums migrating over to the Hamden Roar for an hour or so to give his thoughts. Welcome along, John, your first time on the podcast. Thanks very much for inviting me on, Andy. Um, feels I'm in esteemed company. I've enjoyed your podcast, as you know, so um, an absolute pleasure to be on. No, thank you, Ben. Welcome back, as always. Um, it's, a, it's going to be a nervy occasion tomorrow, I think, because if England beat us, then the chances are that it's, it's over. Qualification for the last 16 is over. But stranger things have happened, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, anything can happen in football. That's why we love it so much. Um, as you say, just the nerves are absolutely ramping up already. I mean, I was trying to think back. I think this is probably the biggest game since Morocco at France 98 because a win or you know potentially a draw, that could see us qualify for the knockout stages for the first time ever. And then you add into that the fact that it's a derby against our oldest rivals, it's on a Friday night at Wembley. I mean, it's absolute blockbuster stuff. Yeah, John, we, we've played England a few times recently, but who knows the next time that we'll draw them in a major competition? Yeah, I mean, we've obviously had them in a couple of World Cup qualifiers and a couple of friendlies over the last uh, decade. But, um, you know, there's nothing more special than that. Term. We all remember, or most of us remember, 25 years ago um, when we played them at um, 
at Wembley and you and 96 we won't talk enough about that because I think ITV have got that section covered <laughs> um, so but no it's, it's an absolutely massive game I mean you can only you don't have to look far to see the um, enthusiasm for the game um, but it's been added with a wee bit more nerves it would have been so much better had we won in one day because we could have looked forward to this with um, you know without worrying too much um, what the implications would be but now we're having to go as you say to go and get a result for the looks of things because it's unlikely um, that three points will be enough to take us through three points in the group overall I mean yeah yeah we should know by now never to try and guess a Scotland eleven. we all felt that Steve Clark's team was was pretty much nailed down at least maybe nine maybe even ten of them and still he managed to surprise his Keaton Tierney's injury obviously impacted that but Stuart Armstrong came into the starting lineup against Czech Republic at the expense of Callum McGregor Shea Adams didn't start that was very surprising Ryan Christie kept his place which I'm not sure everybody predict, predicted but we're going to go again we'll try and predict Steve Clark's 11 for the England game and just see what happens from it so working uh, from, from back to front, David Marshall has come into the line of fire after Patrick Keats' second goal uh, on Monday. I, personally, I don't think that he will be dropped, nor should be dropped. Uh, I, I'm one of I, I'm Team Marshall with this one. I don't think that he can be blamed overly much. I know it's, it's a matter of opinion and that's football. Um, but I think that Marshall will continue in goals. Guys, any objections? Yeah, I think... It was, was it John McGinn, I think, was speaking about it. Um, you know, he said that none of the players hold him responsible for it. And I think this probably isn't the right time to throw someone under the bus in the middle of, uh, a, a middle of the group stage. Um, you could argue that Gordon's potentially a better shot stopper, but I think it would probably just create more of an issue if, if Marshall was dropped. There'd be more eyes on Gordon, whether that's the right decision. So... I would expect him to stick with Marshall, especially after what Clark said. Yeah, John, Marshall obviously saved the penalty that, that got us here. John McGinn made that point yesterday in his press conference. I don't think that we're letting Marshall off the hook just because of that incident. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think the reason he stays in goals is because apart from the, the second goal, um, he had a very good game. You know, he makes a few crucial saves that keeps the score at 2-0, you know, because another goal for the Czech Republic and the goal difference um, becomes even more, even even worse, and it's a bigger amount of claim to try and get out, out of the group. Um, he he made good saves at 0-0 um, to, to keep us in it and with a chance. He had no chance for the first goal. Other than, you know, his starting position, um, which is, Obviously, on Twitter, has been um, exaggerated a bit. Um, but other than his starting position for um, that second goal, um, his performance on the whole was good. And see, at the end of the day, that second goal, if, it, if it's John McGinn scoring that, we're talking about the best goal ever. Of course, because it's happened against us, we're, look, we're looking for faults. So sometimes you just got to take your hat off and say, that's a piece of magic and well done to the boy. Yeah, speaking of players being thrown under the bus, that's something that Clark refused to do and will always refuse to do, especially when it came to Stephen O'Donnell come in for a hard time after the game on Monday. I actually think that O'Donnell did fine defensively, um, but it was going forward that I think he he kind of got himself caught in a few minds at times and that was to his detriment. Um, but Clark's quotes yesterday um, regarding Stephen O'Donnell are, analyse the game and tell me what Stephen did wrong. 
how many chances came off that left side. Jakob Jankto, one of their most dangerous players, had a quiet game. Their left-back, a really good attacking left-back, Jan Boril, didn't create a chance in the game. So start analysing that before we kill, we start killing players just because of who they are and where they play. Analyse his games when he plays for us. Look at his performances objectively. Stephen's first job is to be a defender, so analyse the games. That's all I'll say. So I think anyone who's shouting for Patterson or Forrest uh, to come into the team might be barking up the wrong tree, Ben. Yeah, it was a pretty a pretty staunch defence. And, uh, you know, there's a hell of a lot of merit to it. It's true, you know, defensively he is solid. And the more I kind of reflect on the Czech Republic game, I just think that it was the selection of O'Donnell. It wasn't an overly, overly positive one by Clark. It's not the fact that O'Donnell isn't a good right back because he is. But when we're playing five at the back and we have a right wing back, the question is whether he is the right player to fit that system. And when you saw Forrest come into that role, the the difference in the attacking threat we had was massive. And especially with losing Tierney, I felt like we needed some other attacking threat from the back line. It fell purely onto Robertson, which which was easy enough for them to nullify. I think going into the England game, you're absolutely right that O'Donnell will start because at the end of the day, we're going up against some serious, you know, world-class attacking talent. And I don't think this is then the game to play a winger at right wing back. John? Yeah, I mean, when you listen to, to what Steve had to say, it sums up why he's the manager of the national team and why we, um, among others, are doing podcasts and stuff. So, you know, it's hard to argue. Um, if I want to be overly critical, could he have shut down the cross? Because it's him that goes out to try and shut down the cross, at least tilt and go. But then um, no one else was going out and he's a right back on the left wing back position trying to do that. Yeah, if you're not, I mean, I don't think he got a lot of help either um, from Henry, to be brutally honest. I don't think Henry offered much support either. But um, it's, it's a difficult one. I mean, because we're going into a game that's, I know we're going to talk about more tactical later, but we're in a position where we need to try and take the game to England and try and stop all their attacking threat at the same time. And given what they've got going forward, we can't go to Gungo. So it sounds like Adon probably will be um, in the right wing-back position. Tierney, Ben, you, you mentioned him. He's he's such a massive player for us and it was a huge loss in the, on Monday. Uh, he's touching go. His quotes this morning say that it was a calf issue, um, just a slight strain that I think the consensus is well if you play on it yes it might not feel that bad at the moment but it could certainly make it a lot worse if you if you don't let the, the muscle recover properly um we we really we, we missed someone carrying the ball out of defense um because we ended up just trying to hit Lyndon Dykes and I wonder if if Tierney's not fit let's pray and keep our fingers crossed that he is but if he doesn't make it should Scott McTominay be pushed back into defense to to play that role yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked about that in the last podcast that we did. You, When you play this three at the back, you need one of them to have some sort of attacking threat. And I think the hope was that Hendry would do that. But I think, as you just said, you know, McTominay going in to do that role, you know, we, he's played that so many times for us and it worked so well. So I kind of feel like what's the point in working on that and making that work to then not actually use it when you need it? You know, ideally, we wouldn't need it because Tierney will be fit. And I think he'll he'll do everything he can, you know. And if, if, if he has to play through a bit of pain, I'm sure he would. The problem is he's had so many injuries that he won't be wanting to kill his next season with Arsenal. 
for the sake of one game. Um, so it's a horrible position for him. I don't know if you read his quotes about having to watch the game from the training ground. You know, it sounded absolutely horrendous for him. So I'm just I'm just praying that he's fit because I mean, what a boost that would be mentally as well to the rest of the squad to have him back because he's such a leader and he's he's such a quality player. Tierney's the key to this system working um, for me. You know, the, the partnership him and Robertson have developed on that side. And Tierney's the only one in that defence that's capable of bringing the ball out and even pinging a, a 50-yard, 60-yard crossfield pass. And he's obviously got so much confidence on ability he can take on players as well. And the opposition don't know whether to go to him or go to Robertson. And it then puts to bed the argument of Tierney or Robertson because we've actually found a way of kind of both. But when... When they're both not there, when Tierney's not there, I don't know if it was. And it's no harm to Liam Cooper. I thought Liam Cooper had a, a pretty good game. Um, him and Hanley were um, tossed up between who was man of the match for me, um, in my opinion. But Cooper doesn't offer that same in terms of bringing the ball forward. And, you know, he's not going to beat a player, a player 60 yard cross field pass. He's going to pass the ball. Cooper's a defender first and foremost. So, yeah, we need Tierney back if we want this to work. Um, and if Tierney isn't back, should we change to a four? I don't know. I, I think that that's certainly something a lot of people would, would clamour for, John. And it would surprise me if Clark didn't have a plan B like that up his sleeve. But I feel that Clark is, is quite regimented in his, his thoughts and, and stubborn. And I think that he's he, of the opinion that this formation is the way forward, even if Tierney's not fit, because there should be someone that knows the role and ready to step in. My fear is exactly as you say, though, Yes, they might be able to defend, but can they provide what Tierney does coming over the halfway line? And the answer really is no, uh, not on the left side anyway. I think Clark said in the in the sort of wake of the Czech Republic game as well that you know this is the system that got us to the tournament, which to me says that he's not going to change it now mid tournament. You know they've been drilling this in for for weeks now in the in the build up, and it's. This the system has worked to an extent for us, so I I would not expect any different uh, on Friday night. No, and he didn't change it when we were two down in the game. When perhaps I was actually a little surprised by that because um, we when we played Israel a couple months ago. We changed the four two three one, brought Ryan Fraser on, and it made an immediate difference, and we were the better team second half. But I was really surprised he didn't do that on on Monday. And when he brought on Cal McGregor for Hendry you're expecting then the formation changing. But McTominay went in the centre-back and it was almost a waste. He's thinking, we need to try and go and get ourselves back in the game now. So, yeah, I'll be amazed if the formation changes. But I'd like to think Clark does have that plan B because he's shown before that he can change it if he feels it's not working. So it's maybe something food for thought for, for Wembley, but is that the right game to change it? Probably not. Well, in, into the midfield. Now, England, I think, still are superior to us in that area but I don't think by very much um, if you just look at it on a player by player basis they will probably have Declan Rice Calvin Phillips and Mason Mount maybe or they might take off one of Phillips or Rice for one of their more attacking uh, centre mids that they've got on the bench maybe they'll they'll move Grealish into a central position for example Um, but I think if you look at our probably strongest Midfield, And some people will have Billy Gilmore in our strongest midfield. But based on the last wee while, um, with Ryan Jack out of the equation now, you would probably say it's maybe McTominay 
McGregor and McGinn, I think maybe, and again, it comes down to opinion. But that, that's that's a midfield that should be able to, to compete with what they've got, Ben. Yeah, that's the exact three that I've got written down. Um, I think McTominay owes us a performance, I think, after the last game. I know that that's harsh, but I just, if you've got a player of that calibre, you need them to step up in a big game. And I don't think he did. Uh, McGregor, I thought, came on with a bit of a point to prove, having been dropped. And I thought I thought he looked good. And I think he gives it that balance, um, attack and defence that we needed. And McGinn, again, he did try his best, but I don't think he was in his his best position. He needs to be further forward. And as he he was actually quoted, you know, talking about that he he plays against these guys every week, and a lot of the other guys do. Um, so and they compete with them every week. So it, like you say, the the difference isn't that big. The, the The problem is the system has to work, and they all have to play to their absolute potential. You know, to their best. Um, it's going to be obviously a massive battle. Um, I really hope you know we, we we could do with an absolute royalty from McGinn of a performance because he's the one that has the potential to sort of grab a game by the scruff of the neck and also pop up with a really important goal. I think um, it's fair to say that it's unlikely Armstrong will start the game because he was another one that almost went missing um, on Monday, unfortunately. I don't think the system suits Stuart Armstrong's game. Um, personally, um, he's yet, since we've tried this formation, He's yet to really put in a good performance. He played okay against Holland, but it was a difference between a friendly and World Cup qualifiers in the European Championship finals. So whilst I personally would like to think about bringing in someone like Gilmore, who I think could make an impact, whereas McGregor, I think, um, is looking a bit weary after yet another um, overburn of a season for him. I would be amazed if um, it's not those three. And I would be have no qualms with those three as long as they'll bring the Ray game. And they need to bring the Ray game if we're going to have any chance of getting out of London with a result. The Gilmore debate, I think, will will not. Well, I don't think the the answers that a lot of people are looking for will, will come to fruition. I think he will stay on the bench. The it's a debate worthwhile or worth having though. Okay, so let's take a look at uh, the England team, for example. And Jude Bellingham has got a full season with Borussia Dortmund under his belt. Okay, but he's only he's only seventeen years old. So what is the, the threshold for putting Billy Gilmore in the team? And this is not me advocating to throw him in. I'm just putting the question to you both. What is the threshold for him getting in the team? Is it because he's young or is it because he's not played much football or is it because the other midfielders were in the team when we qualified? Yeah, it's a really tough one. I was looking, obviously, watched Spain the other night and Pedri was starting and he's only 18 now, I know he's probably played a bit more for Barca than Gilmore has for Chelsea, but Gilmore's 20. So I don't, I, I, I don't think the age um, sort of criticism should stand. You know, if you're, if you're good enough, then you're old enough. It's such an, an oft-used saying, but it's good it's for a reason. And Clark, Clark must be watching him in training. So my only thought is that he must think that someone else in midfield that he's picking can do a better job than Gilmore. But I find that surprising when you look at the midfield's performances that we had against the Czech Republic. Like you, I think it is probably too soon, well, potentially too soon to throw him in against England. But then part of me thinks, well, maybe that's exactly what we need. We need a young guy that's just going to go on, not be afraid of who he's playing and hold on to the ball more, which is going to be really key when we get the ball that we 
that we keep it and we do something positive with it. Uh, it's such a tough decision, but I could be easily swayed into putting Gilmore in. John, is it because he's not played much football? Is that what it comes down to? I think that would be part of um, Steve Clark's thinking, to be fair. Um, I mean, the example, I mean, we're talking about, you know, when's the right time to throw a young player in. I remember Glenn Hoddle um, stuck with Teddy Sheridan for the first two um, games at the World Cup, despite the clam throwing. And then it didn't work for Sheridan when that World Cup on came on and uh, scored against me. And then you saw what happened. Um, his career exploded after that. Um, it, it depends on bravery. And I saw a tweet last night from John Walker of Scots of Blood Pod listing a few Wales examples but when they made their debuts, like um, Gareth Bale 17, um, Ethan Ampadu um, 18, Harry Wilson 16. I know we're talking different level players in a couple of those examples, but it shows that they've got no fear of putting them in. And I don't know if most of them are friendless and need to check all that out, but I think Scotland historically, we've been quite cautious in when we start picking players. Like whenever players come in at like 17, 18, we think they're too young for the, the main national team squad, but maybe in one or two examples, we could have been a bit braver. Like, could Gilmore have come in earlier? We don't know. But um, as I say, I would have no qualms with um, putting him in the game because he's going to be surrounded by experience alongside them anyway to take the pressure off him. But as I said, I don't see it happening. And the reasons are going to be understandable because this is a big game. And um, if, any, if Gilmore, forbid, made a mistake in the game, could come under severe criticism. Personally, I think if Gilmore had been given a loan opportunity by Chelsea yeah. the year before, the like season before this one, for example, I think he may well have worked his way into the Scotland team at that point if he was playing for a team that was doing pretty well in the Championship or even in the, the Premier League or if he'd come back to Rangers. Uh, I think that at that point, Clark probably wouldn't have been able to ignore him because I'm sure he would have demonstrated on a more regular basis the qualities that we've seen him display for Chelsea and against teams like Man City he did well against Liverpool and Everton in his first few games so it's not that he's getting 20 minute cameos in the cup uh, all the time he has been given trust by Lampard and Tuchel uh, to perform against some big sides and he's, he's done well uh, but I do agree that I think that even though we're discussing it that the conversation is almost a, a non-starter because I think that Cal McGregor will come in for, for Stuart Armstrong there next to Scott McTominay yeah. Um, okay, left side, Andy Robertson has got that tied up. I actually feel that Robertson played really well against Czech Republic. I know, John, you mentioned earlier that they were able to snuff him out uh, on a couple of occasions and he, he should have scored the, the chance that was laid off to him by Dykes, who will come to as well. Uh, it just, he just never looked like he was going to, to score that one, Robertson. As he was running on to it, he looked unconvinced uh, and not confident. But I think that he got to the byline and created a, a good few chances Uh on a much more regular basis throughout the game than we've seen a lot of the time since Scotland went to this formation, Ben. Yeah, I can't help but look back at that chance that he had. You know, obviously I watched the highlights back just to, just to see and I thought it was a really, really good chance. You know, he's unmarked on the edge of the box. He had so much to aim for and he still, instead of putting his laces through it, which I know is a little bit more of a high-risk sort of technique, but... It was the right one and instead he sort of side-footed it right down the keeper's throat and it was that was so disappointing for me because he's such a quality player and you've seen him smash them in before and for Scotland. So you just think, why did you not just put your laces through that? And it's obviously the pressure of the of the occasion and the moment. He doesn't want to just balloon it over, but 
it was actually just as bad to stick it down the keeper's throat and then it's still nil-nil. You just don't know what would have happened if we'd have got one nil. The crowd had, had obviously gone wild and you just don't know how that could have progressed. So, But it was one of his better performances, 100%. And I just hope that he brings that against England, which I think he will because he's going to be up against teammates, up against players that he knows really well. And also with the media watching, he is not... He is he particularly would hate to lose this game on Friday night. John, he's up against well, it depends what England do. They played four at the back in their opener against Croatia with Kyle Walker at right back. But recently they've also been playing the same formation as us with Kyle Walker, the right of a three, and then either Reese James or Trent Alexander Arnold, who's not in the squad um, through injury, but probably Reese James as the right wing back. Um so Robertson is dealing with some extreme pace down the left-hand side uh, tomorrow, to pick either which way, how, in, how England's set up. Yeah, he's, up, he's up against quality, whoever he comes up against. And don't forget, they could also move Kian Trippier back to the right-back position where he played left-back um, the other day. So they, England's thinking maybe we might, the best way of stopping Robertson is to put someone defensive on him, like Trippier, who's a very underrated fullback. I mean, the guy's just won a league out in, um, in Spain this season. Um, but, but yeah, he's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough shift whoever he's up against, and this is another reason why Kieran is so important. So he can give Walker or whoever, um, you know, some some food for thought, and maybe that's giving his guy Southgate's thinking he might go. I mean, he's been proven to be flexible to go with a three. Um, he might do that and put someone like, as you say, James, possibly even Walker at right centre back and. Um, and double up that way to stop the Tierney and Robertson effect, but that all depends on Kian and uh, whether or not Kian Tierney is going to be fit. But on the chance, I just think his body shape's all wrong. Um, he's leaning back um, too much. He's not really. It reminded me that the chance that he missed in Serbia just before Christie's goal. It was like that, and I think he should be doing better. At least they're making the goalkeeper dive to the left and make a save for it. But it's just one of those things. He still had a good game, so I won't take that from him. You're you're wanting McGregor or Christie running onto that with their left foot, or or McGinn, not Robertson. It's not his USP, but yeah, he, he I feel like he he bottled that shot. Um, now one of the biggest talking points before the game on Monday was what will Clark do up front, and I, I don't think anybody expected Shea Adams to be benched. He was, and he came on and changed the game. Does that mean Ben that he'll start on uh, on Friday? I would hope so. I mean, we we talked earlier about sort of positive selections, and for me, that was the the least positive selection, you know, choice about the Czech Republic game was to play just with one striker because at the end of the day, Christie is not a striker. So yes, he's playing just off dykes, but he wasn't playing just off dykes for that game. And you saw the difference when Adams came on. The link up play was instant. And the biggest surprise was that they've worked on that in the last few games. Like the whole point of you know, getting Adams in and playing the two together was so that they formed a partnership. So they did that. And then in the most winnable game of our group, we didn't play them together. And it was just, it was so frustrating to see him sat on the bench. And then even more frustrating to see when he came on and they, they instantly worked together. And it was like, why was this not, why wasn't this from the get-go? So I, I am desperate for him to start with Dykes and at least give the England defence, you know, at least occupy them and allow someone like McGinn to come in and fill the gaps. Because if we don't, if we just go with Dykes up front again on his own, England are just going to lap it up. It's going to be so easy for their defence to deal with Dykes. 
you know, I really, I really like Dykes. I appreciate the job he does, but he is not a finisher. And the link-up play only really works when he has someone next to him to lay off to. So if you don't have that, it's almost pointless playing him because it's not, it's just not going to work. Yeah, I mean, the, the way I look at it, um, as Dykes and Adams um, showed in that game against Luxembourg, and yeah, you can query the opposition all you want, but they did show signs of a real good partnership there. They created chances. They were um, a nuisance for defence. Adams also got his goal. They both probably should have um, scored more than the game. There's no question about that. But to then take that out and bring Christie back now, and international football, as we know, um, it can change in, in a matter of months. I mean, Christie was a flavour month back in November when he scored that goal. But since then, his form for Celtic's deteriorated. He didn't play well in the World Cup qualifiers for us either. Um, so uh, you can't go in loyalty um, when it comes to a major tournament. You've got to th- you've got to think about the current guys on form. And Adams and Dykes are their club form has been good up until the tournament. And I'm not going to hang um, Dykes out to dry because I thought I actually thought he had an all right game. But the chances he had, the, the, the I mean, the first chance he had in the second half was a difficult one because the goalkeeper smothered him. But the second one. He's got to score that. And I think that falls to an Adams and someone more prolific. That's in the back of the net. But I wouldn't drop Dykes. I think Dykes deserves to start this game and form a proper partnership with Adams again. Well, I would I would contest the, the Christie theory, John. I actually think that Christie is one of the ones that, that turns up for Scotland regardless of how he's, he's doing at club level. So you think that his performance levels have dropped for Celtic and Scotland? Yeah, because if you watch the Austria game, I don't think he was really in that game. Um, and I mean, did he play? Did he play in Israel? Because I can't, I can't remember. I certainly remember the Austria game. I don't remember him doing a lot in the match. And I think he's he's a confidence player, Christy. I, I agree with you. He does bring a lot to the table for Scotland, but um, recently he's not, in my opinion. And on on Monday there, there was only two things. There was a run that he had that. Stephen O'Donnell unfortunately got in the way of and then he laid off the chance for Robertson but other than that he wasn't in the game and I just think that's down to his confidence Ben is he the one that would be sacrificed for Adams? Yeah I think so I think it makes sense I just think we need to have two up front otherwise it's just going to be far too easy for England to just keep the ball at the back and just build pressure on us and we'll end up just having wave upon wave of attack so I think it's absolutely integral to our chances that we have the two up front. I, I, you know, it's so hard. Obviously, Christie scored the goal that got us through to the penalty shootout uh, in Belgrade. But as John says, th- there's no room for sentimentality now. I don't think you know this is. You have to pick the players on form that are going to get the best for the system. Um, and I don't think we've got the Christie of that at that point. You know, it was. You know, I watched him so much during the Premiership last season, and it, it just wasn't the same Christie for whatever reason. Um, I can understand Clark picking him because he's always done well for us, but at the moment we need to pick the guys that are bang on form and full of confidence because it's such a confidence game, and we we need confident guys at Wembley uh, on Friday night. What what gives you the fear then about England, John? The the front three or whoever they pick as their front three is. It's quite frightening. Harry Kane is probably the only absolute certainty to start in the middle of a three. Either side of that, they've got to choose from Sterling, Foden, Grealish, uh, Bukayo Saka. 
Uh, Calvert-Lewin can come in up front as well. Rashford was on the bench. He came off the bench against Croatia. That is just a silly array of, of talent. And Jaden Sancho as well. Don't forget, you know, top talent at Dortmund. I mean, I don't even think Sancho made the the bench because you can only yeah. pick twenty three from your twenty six. But yeah, it's um, there's no question that's the that you know that's an area that can hurt us, and that's why we need to find a, a good balance between trying to contain them and you know um, have a go at them at the same time, which is going to be difficult. Um, I'll be surprised if they make any changes that front three. To be honest with you. Um, although if it goes to a three-five-two, you might bring in um, a, another forward, um, um, another out-and-out second partner Kane. I'm not sure, but I think they'll start with the same front three. And then you add um, Mason Mount in midfield. Um, I think it's a tremendous player. He's a tremendous season with Chelsea. He's a big game player, scored in a few Champions League games that obviously led to the, them winning the tournament. So yeah, that's an area that we need to be. Um, very careful of and why we need Mr Tierney back Tyrone Mings and John Stones were England's centre-half partnership on Sunday I feel that if Dykes is, is on his game to the extent that he was in Serbia and Shea Adams uh, is firing as well that we can cause them problems though Ben Yeah I think that's the chink in the armour is their defence you know as you talk about their front line it is frightening and um, if I was Southgate you would be putting Foden uh, onto O'Donnell and just you know saying have as many goes as you want and Kane Kane is just just frighteningly good you know there's nothing he can't do it is he's he's not a one-trick pony you know he'll he's got he can pick the ball up from outside the area and play the perfect pass as well he's just got everything and there's no one else you would want really on a chance in the six-yard box so you know we're going to need some serious performances from our centre backs, but I think their centre backs that's their weakest that's their weakest point. So for me, we have to press that, which again goes back to playing the two up front because Dykes and Adams playing off each other, Adams running in behind Dykes, just being an absolute nuisance, getting his elbows out, backing in. You know, there's a chance that we can ruffle the feathers at the back. So yeah, I think that's that's our one sort of ray of hope. The uh, the midfield as well is, is important, John. I think that the Czechs had our number in midfield on Monday. They were cutting off the, the passes to McTominay. They did a job on John McGinn. I think Big Socek had him in his pocket pretty much until the last 15 minutes. They look at the, the midfield. They, they played two holders or two more defensively minded midfielders against Croatia, Phillips and Rice with Mason Mount, uh, the one going forward. Would you expect them to take one of them off uh, for a for a, a more attacking midfielder? I'm not sure they will make the changes that people are predicting. Um, because, I mean, Calvin Phillips, for me, was England's best player um, at the weekend. I thought he was very good. His pass for the goal was sublime. Um, Declan Rice is um, you know, a very good midfielder who I think will move on from West Ham at some point. Um, I think he's got a bigger move in him. And... Uh, you know, I've obviously raved Mount's praises. I think he's got more in his game. So I actually think I'm going to stick with the same three and I don't see any reason why they would need to change. Um, I mean, you could maybe make the case for some like Grealish coming in. Um, but I think they'll be wary of our, our midfield as well want to nullify that too. Especially again. Yeah, a big performance needed from the midfield guys, Ben. McTominay, as, as you alluded to earlier, was, was very quiet for a, a man of such stature and consistency down south with Man United Armstrong 
just floated in and out of the game really and McGinn just couldn't get the the usual foothold that, that he does so if uh, if it's McGregor in for Armstrong this time you would hope maybe there's a, a wee bit more control uh, in midfield and they can they can stamp their authority yeah I think John hit the nail on the head when he said about Armstrong not playing in his best position I think that's true I think he sort of plays best as a 10 sort of just off a striker you know just off the attack and the same goes for me from McGinn as well. The trouble is we've got quite a few players that want to play that position or that's their best position. But for me, McGinn is our superstar. You know, he has the quality to go past players. You see it in the Premier League week in, week out. His finishing, his passing, you know, he, the way he can drag the team up the pitch. That's so much more important in the sort of final third, going into the final third. It forces their defence back or it forces one of them to step out, which creates space for the striker. So, for us, we need we need a solid base, which is why I think he'll go McTominay and McGregor. I think that that has worked in the past. And then you would have McGinn as the sort of roving attacking midfielder um, supporting the two up front. Yeah, great. Well, we'll leave it at that then, Phyllis. We'll see what happens on Friday. A point, make no mistake, would be a great result um, and set us up for a showdown against Croatia, who could well be also fighting for their qualification hopes at that point as well, depending on what happens for them against Czech Republic and at Handen. Um, so, yeah, let's just see how it plays out. And fingers crossed we, we get, if not a result to remember, then at least a, a moment to remember. Yeah, try and enjoy it if we can. Yeah, let's, let's hope we get a Don Hutchison tight moment. That would be great. Podcast Network.